0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Santa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 17, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 155, beginning with paragraph number two, When Our Friend Related. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, and M, The Twelve Traditions, Lisa H, and reading the literature today are Terry H, Chelsea H, and Penny C. The share ID for Sunday, August 16th, our special edition meeting by speaker panel discussion, Chapter 9, The Family Afterwards, is... 7-9-2-9, 7 9 two, nine. Seven, nine, two, 9 OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. At A Vision For You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ann M. to read the 12 Steps. Good morning, Ann. Ann M, star
1: one. Yes, thank you. This is Ann M from Minnesota. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. And thank you for this opportunity of service.
0: Thank you, Anne M. I will now ask Lisa H. to read the 12 traditions
2: good morning this is Lisa H grateful newly recovered compulsive overeater from West Tennessee the 12 traditions number one our common welfare should come first personal recovery depends upon OA unity two for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern three to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary spiritual or primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Lisa H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness and Purpose remind us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. by staying past, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, we ask everyone's phone except the speakers to, to be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 155, paragraph two, beginning with when our friend related, through two paragraphs, ending with might Give him master. The first paragraph for content only, and comments will be focused on paragraph on the second paragraph. I will now ask Terry H. to begin reading.
3: Good morning, Santos. Good morning, Division View. My name is Terry H. A recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. When our friend related his experience, the man agreed that no amount of willpower he might muster could stop his drinking for long. The spiritual experience, he conceded, was absolutely necessary, but the price seemed high upon the basis suggested. He told how he lived in constant worry about those who might find out about his alcoholism. He had, of course, the familiar alcoholic obsession that few knew of his drinking. Why, he idied should he lose the remainder of his business, only to bring still more suffering to his family by foolishly admitting his plight to people from whom he made his livelihood. He would do anything, he said, but that. Being intrigued, however, he invited our friend to his home. Sometime later, and just as he saw it, he was getting control of his liquor situation, he went on a roaring bender. For him, this was a spree that ended all sprees. He saw that we, he would have to face his problem squarely, that God might give him mastery. And um, I can totally identify him with this paragraph, um, with uh, Bob. Um, you know the second paragraph. It says, you know, being intrigued. Um, I remember coming into program, and um, the first time I was very intrigued because, um, you know, it was all about, you know, it was all about losing the weight, you know, and I wanted to know how it, how that was going to happen, and um, I got excited, and um, I was curious and interested, and very attracted to the program because I saw people losing weight. And then he says, however, he invited our friend to his home, so you know, we we speak the same the same language, and on, you know, page 180 on Bob's nightmare, which is Bob's story, you know, it says the far more importance was the fact that he was the first living human with whom I'd ever talked, he knew what he was talking about in regards to alcoholism from his actual experience, in other words, he talked my language, so um, I was very interested because, you know, I was identifying and, and we did talk the same language, but what happened as bob you know the thought it says sometimes later he just just as he thought he was getting control of the liquor situation and that's my story because i saw it and i always say i thought it i did it not good and um you know i wasn't you know i just just put the food down and um you know no no step work and um what happened was you know i went on that roaring gun just as bob did and um I'm so grateful for that roaring bender because you know each bender got me to the end of my spree and um, you know I always you know for for Bob you know for him he said this was a spree that ended all sprees and I always say you know you hit bottom and you stop digging and um, for me that was that was my truth that I just had to hand over the shovel to a power greater than myself to continue this journey and um, uh, in order for me to continue you know. Um, living one day at a time in recovery. Um, and that was the other thing because it was so much more than putting down the food. And I had to ask myself, you know, um, is, is my accident based on spirit or is it, you know, or is it just based on absence? And if it's based on absence, you know, I will believe that I don't need to go to any length. And, um, you know, here comes the sprees. This, this spree will come from the ease and comfort of, you know, taking that first bite. But if it's based on spirit, I'm going to need power. And, um, so, you know, with this power, I get to lean lean into it on a daily basis. So my question, you know, that I have to ask myself each day, am I moving towards power or am I moving away from it? And, um, you know, because I need that power because it's always about, you know, am I powerless, you know, over, you know, over my disease today? And, um, uh, you know, through the fellowship, I get to, you know, identify and, and um it's so much more than that, you know, through recovery, you know, through the fellowship I, I identify and through the steps recovery and I recover and, um, you know, just going to meetings, um, you know, I can feel better, but working the steps I get better. And with that I'll pass. Thanks, Anita.
0: Thank you, Carrie H. A gentle reminder to please state the initial of your last name. Now who would like to comment on that last paragraph? Paula D.
4: Sally.
5: This
4: is Nicole. Larry. This is Bella
6: canay Deanna B.
0: Okay, all I've gotten so far is Paula D., Larry K., Deanna B. Who else, please? Vasa O. Vasa O. Anyone else? This is Bella canay And
5: Bella. Okay, we'll start with that. Okay, good morning, Paula D. You're up first. I am, good morning, Sanja, and thank you for
7: this opportunity. This is Paula D. in New Hampshire, and I am recovered. And, you know, I'd like to come forth here bringing that uh, last paragraph, just for a sentence in, because just to see where he was. His, he didn't want, want to bring still more suffering to his family by foolishly admitting, what a guy, I mean, really, by foolishly admitting his plight to people from whom he had made his livelihood. He would do anything, he said. But that. You know, as we come into here, being intrigued. Now, we know what the word intrigued means. You know, really curious. Like, really? However, he invited his friend to his home. But you know, I want you to come into to this part here. He was getting control of his liquor situation. Now, there he is. You know, those cloudless days, oh, beautiful days just going along. And then he went on a roaring bender. For him, this was a spree that ended all spree. You know, a price has to be paid, and that's what page 14 says. Simple but not easy. See, you saw the simplicity. It's not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant, and here we have it, destruction of self centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of light who presides over us all. Being mindful of the time, I'm just going to turn that page. What happens here? A spree? But look at what it says here. For him, this was the spree that ended all sprees, and it was. He saw that he would have to face his problems squarely. Well, that's it. I never faced my problems squarely. I mean, I'd look around at them. I'd kind of give them a glimpse. Of, no, right in the eye that God might give him mastery. It could not be attained no matter what he did. It didn't matter what he did. And it seemed like our friend Dr. Bob was a good man. I'd like to come alongside him. But even more was needed. It wasn't, oh, I'd like to. It wasn't wishes. Oh, if wishes were hustles, wouldn't we all ride, my friend? More than that. So I want to end on that note. Oh, looked at his problem squarely, that God might give him mastery. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass eagerly awaiting to hear the next. Thank you, Paula D.
0: Larry K.
4: Santa, thanks so much. Larry K. <clears throat> recovered compulsive overreader from Chicago. <clears throat> you know, I like I like here where um it talks about uh, you know, he saw that he would have to face his problems squarely, that God might give him mastery. And you know, it's interesting to me because his wife, Ann Smith, kept a journal um from nineteen thirty three to nineteen thirty-nine where, you know, she was outlining you know, some of the principles that they had been learning in the Oxford group movement that influenced our 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 movement, our <clears throat> the AA fellowship. And um and one of the primary ones was was a uh uh was a life change. You know, the result in which the individual through a spiritual experience becomes God centered instead of self centered and and then, you know, is 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 given mastery. Um uh, you know, and, um, and, and I think, you know, ultimately that's, that's what happened to Dr. Bob, but, you know, I can relate to coming into, uh, to OA and, and feeling like, you know, I learned just a little bit and I thought I was getting control of my, my food situation. Um, I learned, uh, you know, just a little bit. I was excited about this, you know, this process of change and, uh, I was, you know, and I had a food plan, which was much like a diet. And um, you know, before you knew it, myself will um, entered into the picture there and I, I also went on a spree, you know perhaps to end all sprees. Um, and you know sometimes this is what the, what the process is like for us is we you know we're, you know before um, we go through this process of moving from you know this this 12step process which gives us Freedom that's available to anyone. You know, we we have to understand that you know we're moving from a a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence, and this ensures this God consciousness, this daily reprieve that we get. And you know, uh, you know, for me um, coming into the program, you know, I didn't understand what I was up against. I didn't understand um, what the process was, but I I mean, I had a pretty good memory. I I was reasonably intelligent, but I didn't understand yet. And it took the disease to batter me good, you know, as it did Dr. Bob. And um, and in so doing, um, that was the catalyst. You know, that was the leverage that was needed, you know, to move through this process entirely through it, uh, you know, each step in succession. And then God grants us uh, mastery. We don't give that to ourselves, but we get that from our higher power. So grateful. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. Deanna B.
6: Thank you, Santa. This is Deanna B. from Chicago. Grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. This really hit me. uh, and when they were saying, for him, this was the spree that ended all sprees. Now, I don't know when I came back into the program if this was the biggest one, but it was the one that caught my attention. Because for one of the many, many times I had been on a quote-unquote diet, it was weight watchers, I had lost most of my weight, I was doing water aerobics, I felt great, bought new clothes, and what happened? It just, I stopped, because it was a diet. I had gotten close to my goal weight, and it was a diet, and I started gaining the weight and couldn't stop, and I came into OA desperate. I had that gift of desperation. I don't know if I ever had that. I was willing to write my food down. I was willing to uh, call it in. I was willing to start working in the, at that time, it was the workbook. Uh, And, you know, God graced me with someone who introduced me to a vision. And although I did get abstinent before, and through the grace of God and the fellowship of the program, I've been abstinent since February. It'll be two years in February. That's a miracle for me. And uh, was this the spree that ended all sprees? I sure hope so. And uh, I I don't know if it has to be a big one. It just has to get my attention. uh, And that it says here that he saw that he would have to face his problems squarely that God might give him Mastery. And with that, I thank you so much and I will
8: pass.
0: Thank you, Deanna B. Vasa O.
8: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Santa, for your service. And I am Vasa, Grateful Recover Compulsive Ovega, calling from Massachusetts. And as I shared many times, I had the gift of desperation when I came to the program which I didn't see it as a gift, I saw it as a torture. How am I going to live the rest of my life with giving up certain foods? I didn't understand I had the disease. I didn't understand anything about the allergy. I just knew that I could not stop eating, and I had given into the food by then, you know. So my last spree was when I surrendered and I put the food in God's hands, and I just surrendered to the program, and uh, and I said, "Do I want to live or do I want to die, or take the suggestions and the solution, the the way it's laid out in the big big book?" Um, I really didn't think my I made my family's life miserable, you know. I really I you know I tried to be nice, you know. I tried to do this and that, but they saw the misery in my face, you know. Um, I I thought uh, about the food all the time. I did it. I you know I could not stop. I could not stop it, and I needed to find a power greater than myself, and that's the only way I could. It's by the grace of God and the help um, that I get here, and the help that I got from my first boss, sponsor. And I've had other people that you know God put in my life. But that was the beginning. That was the really beginning for me just to surrender. And it's by the grace of God. That was my last free. You know, it has been 29 years. And I don't take any credit for it. God is doing for me that I couldn't do for myself. And it started with my abstinence and then just working the rest of the steps one by one. But I did do the first three. Three steps. I can, he can, I will let him. And I will let you people help me, too. And that's what I did. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Vasa. Oh, Bella G.
9: Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Santa, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line that God might give him mastery. Wow, such a wonderful sentence. And yes, this is, you know, it's for me a reminder. uh, Step one, to accept and admit that I am powerless. And yes, I am powerless of my eating. I am powerless of other people's behavior. And I have only one power, to do the right choice one day at a time. And, yes, thank you, God, that I am choosing to be connected to God, to be connected to an acceptance and loving power. And I know when I am connected to to God, then I know that I am safe and secure. But thank you, God, that I have the 12 steps, and there is to live in 10, 11, and 12, and, yes, I am human, and sometimes I do forget that to choose to be connected to God, not in, in, in the food areas, but in other behaviors. And thank you, God, that I learned to pose. And I know when I am in trouble, it means that I, I choose to be connected to my ego, to be connected to myself. And then when I want the control and I have the the step 10 to, you know, to accept and to know, to, to accept that I didn't do the right choice and I have a new opportunity to do a better choice. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I know when I choose to be connected to God, then I know that God might give me the mastery. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Bella G., and thank you to everyone for staying within the three minutes. We're on page 155, the third paragraph. We'd also like to share on what was read before we move on to the next paragraph. Sally? <coughs> Sally? Amy That's E. That's A.
10: Melissa
11: C.
12: Yeah, Reva P.,
10: Amy I have Sally
0: e. A., Amy E., Melissa C., Riva P. Riva P. Okay, I have Sally A., Amy E., Melissa C., Riva P. Sally A., you're up.
11: Thank you, and good morning, Santa. And good morning, A Vision for You. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. So he tells us here, being intrigued, maybe even skeptical, but certainly intrigued, curious. However, he invited our friend to his home. Some time later, and just as he thought, and there's the key word for me in this whole paragraph, he's still thinking, and that is probably a big mistake, that he is still thinking because our thinking is sick. We, we've heard it said we don't have an eating problem. We have a thinking problem. And here he is. He's thinking. He thought. He was getting control. He thought he was. It reminds me of page 30, this, this page that talks about getting in control, this, this third paragraph It tells us uh, we alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt, and that's what we see happening on, for Dr. Bob here, All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. That word demoralization means unmanageability, and that's exactly what happened to him here. Just as he thought he was getting control, of his liquor situation he went on a roaring bender how many times did i go on another diet how many times did i think okay this is not so bad i can do this and then i just ended up unraveling and ending up in these horrible black holes of binging out of control he went on a roaring bender for him he was this was the spree that ended all sprees he saw that he would have to face perhaps turn his problems squarely, that God might give him mastery. Something had to change. And that's the interesting thing about when we think we've got it all under control. We're not really generally willing to change when we think it's all under control. It's, um, it's said only in an environment of acceptance can people change. And this man, fortunately, was surrounded by people who loved him who accepted him as he was, and he could finally listen and learn and change. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass.
0: Thank you, Sally A.
5: Amy E. Good morning. This is Amy E. from rural Ohio. Can I be heard?
0: Yes, you can. Good morning, Amy.
13: Good morning. Thank you so much. He would have to face his problems squarely. When I read this, I think not just the food, but our life problems. For him, this meant going around to his patients, um, people he had perhaps treated while drunk, operated on while drunk. In fact, it was he had to perform an operation um, after this, spree, he was still jittery, and uh, Bill gave him three bottles of beer. That was his last drink to steady his nerves, three bottles of beer so that he could uh, perform this procedure um, with a minimum of trembling hands. Um, when When we're talking about working this program of recovery, it is not just working our abstinence. It is about getting straight with our creator and getting straight with the people around us and so facing our problems squarely means making amends to that brother you haven't talked to in five years it means releasing excuse me forgiving releasing people who've abused you in the past it means repaying debts it means going to friends and repairing the wreckage of of gossip and infidelity. It means facing your problems squarely, not just the problem in your pantry, but the problem, the problem in my life. I have to face these problems squarely. It means I have to stop using anger. I have to stop using self-pity, all the character defects that keep me cocooned, um, that I've been relishing too much along with my, uh, uh cake. The uh, the food is just a symptom. Um this is a program of recovery helping me to drill down to causes and conditions and living in a new spiritual fourth dimension of reality. Thank you,
10: I pass.
0: Thank you, Amy E. Melissa C.
10: Hi, good morning. This is Melissa
14: C recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um oh, I'm so grateful. To be uh able to listen this morning, I was away for the last week, and I really didn 't have much of a cell signal um, and I missed this meeting tremendously um, you know but uh and, and just as he thought he was getting control of his liquor situation, he went on a roaring bender. Um, you know I was intrigued, just like Dr. Bob was. I started you know initially hearing things that made sense to me; they knew I had a problem. I heard about my powerlessness, and that made sense, but I wasn't exactly sure that the solution laid out in front of me was applicable to me. You know, I was the exception. I was more interested in picking and choosing the parts of this program that I wanted to use. Um, I heard, you know, take what you want and leave the rest, and I interpreted that incorrectly for me. I thought I could get a food plan, find a fellowship, and then do the steps that I wanted to do when I wanted to do them in the order that I wanted to do them. Um, And that brought me only so far, you know, that did um, my initial five years ago when I came back to OA, that actually gave me the ability to put down um, the sugar, you know, and so that brought me to uh, where I feel like Dr. Bob was here thinking that I had control over my food situation. And that was, a big problem, believing that I had control, I began to act as if I had control, so I could let go of writing. I could let go of committing my food over weekends. It started over a vacation. I stopped reaching out to my fellows um, unless I wanted to, and this brought me to my last bender, uh, bender, you know, which for me was a crazy binge on. What was in the house? And what was in the house was cereal and crackers and nuts. Um, and I ate these things until my stomach was so bloated that um, I was in agony. I, I thought maybe I had a tumor. Um, you know, and it brought me to paranoia and fear. And that's for me when I finally became willing to do whatever was laid out here in this book. you know. And it says, I have two choices. I can follow these steps completely not choosing what I want, you know, because what I want got me here. Or I can go back to the food until the bitter end. And, um, you know, and so it was when I became willing to um, follow it completely, you know, make those amends, uh, take out those things um, that I didn't really want to look at and finally look at them and right my wrongs. And that's what has given me relief from the
0: food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. And Reva P., you will be our last year on this paragraph before moving on to the next paragraph.
12: Okay. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, for this paragraph, uh, two things struck me. First of all, I remember when, and also for today, whenever I think I am getting control over anything, and it used to be about the food, but it could be anything, work, my kids... Uh, my finances, just when I think I've got it under control, when I get that feeling that I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm taking charge, I now know it's going to be a mess um, because I cannot control the food and I can't control really anything else in my life. The second thing that struck me is that he saw that he'd have to face his problems. You know, the food, what it did for me when it was working initially um, I didn't have to look. I didn't look at myself in the mirror. I think uh, a lot of people share and I relate to the fact that I only looked at myself from the neck up because I didn't want to see. Um, I didn't want to see problems and the food kept me in a perpetual fog, numbed out state. I couldn't see a thing. It was total fog. Couldn't see where I was going, what was happening. Um, and I love the fact that he says he he would have to Not that he needed to, not that he wanted to, not that he thought maybe it's a good idea to face my problem. I have to, which reminds me what has already been shared, that I only have two choices. I either face my issues, be it food or all the things underneath the iceberg that is what drove me to um, do what I did with food, or... um, go back to where I was. And it's a progressive disease. It will just get worse. So I face my problems squarely by taking the steps four to nine initially and then uh, 10, 11, 12, mainly 10 on a daily basis. And then again, it reminds me, just because I'm facing my problems squarely doesn't mean like, okay, now I fix them. No, no, no. That God might give me mastery. And mastery... um, Is almost the opposite of what I was thinking was control Um, but I don't do it I do the footwork and then God does it for me as has been shared so many times on this meeting and um, for that I'm grateful and I pass thank you
0: thank you Reva P Chelsea
15: H thank you for your service Santa good morning I'm Chelsea H I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today One morning, he took the bull by the horns and set out to tell those he feared what his trouble had been. He found himself surprisingly well-received and learned that many knew of his drinking. Stepping into his car, he made the rounds of people he had hurt. He trembled as he went about, for this might mean ruin, particularly to a person in his line of business. And this information um, in the text here, the taking the bull by the horns, that idiom expression means to face it head on. And that is what he had just said in the uh, earlier paragraph. He had to face it squarely so that the source greater than himself might give him mastery. And one morning for myself, after walking through this process and working with my uh, big book guide, I had to take the bull by the horns and go and start out on my ninth-step amends. And it was an interesting um, and so freeing time for me. And um, many of you have heard me say before, I call them freedom junkets, my step nines. And I secured permission to go, and I actually booked a hotel in New York because I had to make the rounds. And I um, made appointments with several people. And it was... (laughs) it was I was well received it was surprising. My, I had to make an amends to my mother in law my father in law my stepdaughters, and I got to have such an experience with them. I was trembling when I went too, but I was more eager to recover than I was to stand in fear because something I just heard recently, fear is activates my character defects, and part of it has to do with me going into isolation and not doing anything. So I was able to grab hold of that To with my guide. We walked through what it might look like, so I wasn't going without preparation. And I got to make some of the most beautiful amends, and each one I made I felt freer and freer and freer. And I took the bull by the horns to actually do the work, because I had been tiptoeing around this work for many, many years in these rooms with uh, King Food As my master. Like what they talk about in Bill's story on page eight alcohol was my master, food was my master, and so was alcohol. So I had to humble myself to my creator, whatever's at the totality of it all, and I got the next right thing, got in my car, literally, (laughs) and I went about taking it squarely, head on. And whatever the outcome would be, I would live in it because I would know that my guide to destiny has me exactly where I need to be in that immense process. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank so you, Chelsea H. And who else would like York, to comment on what was read, page one, r- r- yeah, r- page one, r- s- r-
5: paragraph
0: one. Charles r- r- H. Marquesa r- 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 Z.
16: Anyone else?
0: Nicole S. Nicole S. Okay, I have Charles H. Mackenzie Z. Nicole Nicole S. Anyone else? Penny C. Penny C.
5: Okay, Charles, you are up next. Thank you, my spiritual sister, Santa. Thank you for your service and. You know, I'm sorry for stepping on you, but, you know, I got to step on this disease, man. You know, sometimes when you hear certain, you know, I wanted to take a stab at that last paragraph, right, but I'm going to take a couple of jokes at this one. So, you know, that same shovel, right, it's a God will move the mountain if I bring a shovel. That shovel I used to binge with, I used to dig my hole with, I take that same shovel, the same one, yep, down to the same one, and I beat the crap out of the enemy every single day. He like, yo, Charles, what up? Good morning. I'm waking you up. Hey, what's up? What you going to do today? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep my nose in that big book, right? And taking a bull by the horns. Yeah, I'm ready for that, man. I'm ready. I want to read something. You know, thank you, Dr. Bob, right? I want to, you know, this is rare. I went to, like, my big book is so, They say if your big book is torn, maybe your life isn't. But, you know, it was so important. I, I, I beat the crap out of my big book because I'm opening it and I'm reading it with different people. And, like, I lost my forwards, man. And that forward to the second edition is serious when it says the physician. I believe they're talking about Mr. Dr. Bob, your know, big him up, right? You know, he tried a whole bunch of – in the fourth and second edition, I'm paraphrasing, he tried so much spiritual ways. But then what got me hyped this morning is when I read it, and y'all was talking about him in the vision for you that he he mustered up a willingness that he could have never did before. And, he, and that, it was 1950, you know, he he lived to 1950, and he never had a drink again. That got me, I don't know if that got y'all excited all over the world, all over the country. That got me hyped up, man. I ain't never got a binge again. And that same shovel that I was digging my grave with, I take it and beat the crap out of the enemy this morning. I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Charles H. Rekesit Z.
17: Thank you, Santa. This is Rekesit Z, Recovery Compulsive here in California. And we read in the previous paragraph that he had to face his problems head on. And I didn't want to face my problems. I still don't want to, actually. But um, that's what I ate. That's exactly why I ate. I wanted everything to go away, everybody to go away. I didn't want to have to think about everything. I wanted to be anesthetized in some kind of trance that I would just get through the day and not feel anything. But this didn't work. When my mom came over... I couldn't stand my mom. I couldn't stand her. And as soon as she walked in the door, I would start binging. I would start binging the minute she walked in the door and I wouldn't stop for days. And, you know, I had to take the bull by the horse. I had to ask myself, why, why is your mother upsetting you so much? That's what I had to do. Why am I eating over this? Why is my mother upsetting me so much? What is it? I can't just make it go away with food because it wasn't working. It wasn't working. I was still feeling really bad even though I was eating and benching my way through so, so an unpleasant visit that I consider unpleasant. And the same thing at work, I would get a serious problem to solve, my my manager would give me a problem, and I'd start panicking, I don't know if I can do this, I don't think I can do it, I don't think I'm smart enough to do this. You know what, I'd say to myself, okay, I have to go to the vending machine, I have to calm my nerves, let me get, you know, 12 items from the vending machine, just so I can start working on this problem, just so I can start looking at it so my nerves will be calm. And that's exactly, I don't want to face it, everybody go away, please, everything go away, please and um, it didn't work it was so painful it was so painful and it was painful to look at these things too why am i eating over my mom it was painful to go through the fourth step and, and see my my part in it that i had a part in it that i couldn't stand my mom and you know the surgery was painful The surgery was painful, but after the surgery, I felt so much better. I feel so good today after the surgery. And, you know, I still have to do this daily. Look at what's bothering me. Am I thinking about food? And most of the time I'll say, wow, I'm not thinking about food, even though I had that problem. And it's really great. So thanks
0: for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rikessa D, Nicole S.,
16: Hi, this is Nicole i I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Colorado, and um, I love this paragraph how it talks about taking the bull by the horns, and I, I felt for so many years, I, I, first of all, never knew how to deal with my problems. I had always done something, um, you know, to uh, get away from having to actually deal with my problems, and I would, you know, my first thing whenever I had a problem is I would just reach for the food, and then I, I never learned how to how to deal with them, and so when I first took the steps, just having to deal with my with problems and things in my life um that were uncovered, and that the food was no longer masking and um I just sat there with my problems and and had to just just deal with them squarely, and I realized that the quickest way through life and through anything that that comes along is to go straight through it and I realized that I had just been like a bumblebee just going around in circles and never, you know, never getting to the destination and, and I realized that the, the quickest way through is to just go straight through and take that bull by the horns and deal with my problems and, um, when it says, you know, he found himself surprisingly well received and, and I felt the same way and I had, uh, you know my husband was a um one on my list who I just had you know a lot of um you know a lot of amends to make to and um he had it, it was it was funny I had for so many years just hidden my um eating disorder from him, and I would you know eat some of his some of his food and then I would run to the store and buy some more and and replace it and then so it, it didn't look like i had bought more of it, I'd have to eat that that down, and just that insanity of always trying to hide it so well, and I did a pretty good job of that, and when I finally was honest with him, um, he was a little shocked, but then it started, you know, adding up, and just like, you know, it said here that um, many, uh, many already knew (laughs) about his drinking, and my husband was saying, oh, that makes sense, I was wondering why that was gone, and thought I'd just ate it, you know, but things started to make to make sense to him. And, and just having, you know, to be honest with, you know, all these people in my life, with my parents and um, my sister and, and friends, and it was, it was really, really tough. And um, I felt, though, that the more I really just took that bull by the horns and faced my fears and faced those people and made amends to them, that each one just brought more and more healing. And even though it was hard and painful, um, it really was the quickest and the best and the most healing way through um, through my, my problems. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Nicole S. Penny C.
18: Good morning. This is Penny C. Recovered in Massachusetts. Um, yeah, I'm reading this paragraph every, every time I come across it. It begs, in my experience, anyway. This paragraph begs for some caution, and yeah, Dr. Bob went out, just got up one morning, and decided he was going to go and make amends to to all the people he had hurt. And and we don't read. I'm reading between the lines here. You know, did he get some guidance before he did that? And I, my caution to people uh, that are approaching the ninth step is that it's so important that we not rush into this too fast. You know, I, I've, the experience I've had over the years is that folks are so, so anxious to, to get into or to get, get over that ninth step, and in our case now, you know, to, to be able to call ourselves recovered, that they're ready to rush into situations that may not be um, right for them. And just recently I had that experience where a sponsee is on the ninth step and she so wants to be done. And, you know, she, she was ready. And thank God I had, I had cautioned her that she needed to speak to a recovered person um, you know, hopefully me, her guide, before she did this because she was ready to bring up things that the people she was going to make amends to didn't even know about. So that's just a word of caution from someone who's had some experience with this myself, ready to make amends, and thank God I had a guide who warned me. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Penny C., we have time for one more share before ending this meeting. This is Katie G. from Boston. Katie G., good morning.
10: Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., Recovering Food Addict, one day at a time, um, and living in the stuff today. Thank you, God. What a miracle it is to be abstinent and sober on a Monday morning. Yeah, I guess I just want to echo the previous speaker. I had initially 140 amends to make, and I'm, um, I guess I just want to be the voice of not being in the outcomes business and remembering that this is not feel-good anonymous, right? Like, this is about taking ownership, taking responsibility for who I am and who I have been. And the most painful amends that I had to make was actually with my mother, and it took me four years. It took me four years of um, making. I made three attempts, and then I let it go. um, And for a very long time, just praying. Because you know what, guys? She wasn't ready. And this isn't about me feeling better. This is about, like, if she's not ready for me, then then I can't. There's nothing that I can do. I can't force her because I want to be recovered today. And, God, what does recovered mean? It means, okay, so now I've gone and made 140 amends. I, I haven't had to make an amends since I finished them. And that's not true, right? It's about living in 10, 11, and 12. It's about... Going back to step one for a much needed new experience in the steps when I need to, and it's about um, my commitment to my physical allergy and my obsession of the mind, and living my life with patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. So, you know, not all my amends were pretty. Not all my, I, I had a lot of wonderful moments, and I think what the most amazing part of it was is that amends allow me to sink into my own skin because I'm a perfectionistic person and I want to be perfect all the time. But by living honestly each day, I can be comfortable in my skin because I'm not afraid of looking someone in the eye and saying, I was wrong. And the end of the story with my mom was we had another huge fight and finally, ultimately, I was able to really hear her and I was able to really hear the exact nature of my wrongs and make a true and deep amend to her. And um, it hasn't been like you know, Susie Sunshine ever since, but it's been so much better. And um, thank you, God, for the program of Years Anonymous that I do not have to live in shame and that I can live in recovery one day at a time based on my willingness to move forward with action. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Katie G. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book, on page 164, follow about a serenity prayer. Will Penny C., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
18: Thank you, Santa. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day